Well, good morning, Trace Church. How are we doing today? Good, good, good. How about some baptisms here, huh? That's awesome. So cool, so cool to see. Uh, by the way, just as, as a way of extending this to you, if you've never taken that step, you've never surrendered your life to Jesus in baptism, uh, you'd like to know more about what that is all about, man, we'd love to have that conversation with you anytime, uh, any day. So make sure you let us know. We'd love to engage with you about that. Uh, for those of you all that are new this week, we're actually, uh, this is the second week of a series that we're in called Me Too. And last week we, uh, uh, we had Aaron, our lead pastor up here, and, and he led us in a conversation about the hashtag Me Too, which, which all of you guys are probably very familiar with, is a, is a movement to bring awareness to the, just the, the, uh, the fact that the people all around the globe, but specifically in the United States, are experiencing uh, sexual abuse and sexual harassment. Uh, and, and, and in terrible numbers. And so uh, what a wonderful uh, conversation that Aaron started this last week with us. And he, he left us with the one thing. And it's been a one thing that we've been stewing on all week. And here it is. He said, uh, you can't hide and heal at the same time. And many of you guys started your healing process last week by kind of sharing some of the stuff that you've gone through, uh, and, and you, you brought that to light, and we've had conversations with you, and uh, so proud of all of you that have done that. I also just want to extend this invitation to you. Uh, at any time, this is a church, this is a place, we are a people, that you can, you can come out of hiding, and you can share what you're going through or what you have been through. We want to walk with you through that, and it, and it doesn't have to be just around uh, this issue of sexual abuse and sexual harassment. Uh, the words Me Too actually carry a lot of power outside of just the movement. And that's one of the things that we're going to actually shift gears in and, and kind of paint this concept with a little bit broader stroke today in the concept of Me Too. Because Me Too, uh, it, it matters more than just in that specific area of the movement. As a matter of fact, if, if, if you've read the Bible at all, you, you'll notice that it, it's just a, it's a series of Me Too stories. Uh, as, as Tyler mentioned earlier, uh, I actually wrote a blog post on this very topic this week. If you've not checked out our Trace blog, go online and, and check that out. I'd love to have you guys participate with us in that conversation throughout the week. But, uh, but basically, as you look through all these stories, all the main characters that you see in Scripture, the people that are doing these incredible heroic acts and these works of God, uh, almost every time that you see something that's been incredible that these guys have done, it's almost a prerequisite uh, for their, their failures and their misfortunes and their mistakes to also be added to that text so that you can see those things. And the irony is uh, that it's not actually the, it's not the feats, the wonderful things that they've done, the miraculous things that they've been able to do that, that connects us with those people. It's actually, it's actually seeing their mistakes and their misfortunes that connect us with them. Because all of a sudden, then, then we can see ourselves in those people. And there's something about being able to see the flaws of, of others who have done wonderful things that allows us to be able to say, you know what, maybe, maybe I can do good things too. Maybe I can do great things for God as well, if those guys did. And it's something about seeing them overcome these, these uh, unfortunate circumstances that they're in that allow us to say, you know what, maybe I can overcome whatever unfortunate circumstance that I have been sitting in as well. But, but just, just like any history, um, the, the biblical history is, is written by individuals who have the, the ability to kind of communicate what they want to about these, these people. And it, it would have been really easy for the, the people who penned these stories to be able to omit some of the darker sides of the characters that we see in the Bible. They could have done that pretty easily in a lot of circumstances, but they didn't because it would have been inconsistent with the very character and nature of God. It had been inconsistent with the God of me too. 
And that's actually what we're going to spend our time talking about today. The one thing that I want to I wanna build on and want you to process through today with me is this. I can say me too because my God said me too. So let's, let's spend a moment talking about this God of Me Too. And I know that, uh, that many of you guys that are sitting here in the room, maybe watching this online, you come from uh, various backgrounds in your faith journey. You're, you're at different places with Jesus on this journey. You probably have different opinions on God because of your upbringing, or maybe you're just trying to you know, focus in and find this stuff out now. Um, and so I, what I want to do is, is today, um, I, I don't want to tell you what to believe. You can come in and you can hear these things out, make your o- own conclusions. But what I do want to do is I want to give you a very clear picture of the God of the Bible, of, of the deity of Christianity, and let you understand who he is so that you can make a determination about what you want to do with that, all right? And so one of the things that a, a lot of people believe, a lot of people feel and think about God is that he put things in motion, he created things, but then he stepped back and distanced himself from creation. That, that's actually a, a terminology called deism that we, we see, and it's, it's prevalent in the way that we live our lives, the way that we think about God. Uh, but let, let me tell you that the God of the Bible couldn't be more different than that particular perspective. You see, the God of the Bible is not one that wants to be hidden. He's not one who wants to to keep himself in the shadows. He's a God who wants to be known. And he's chosen to reveal himself all throughout history in many ways because he wants us to know him. And so we see him revealing himself in like in creation itself. And we see him coming uh, to light in, in through angelic messengers and through the prophets and through the, through the law and, and through the Holy Spirit and the inspired scriptures. And the author of Hebrews in their opening chapter says it this way. It says, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these days, he's spoken to us by his son. He appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Catch this, guys. Okay, God, the God of the Bible, not only chose to engage with his creation, he bridged the gap between heaven and earth by sending his one and only son to come and represent him. The exact representation is what it actually says in that passage we just saw. And if you have any bones about that, let's hear from Jesus himself as recorded in the book of John. Jesus says this, he says, anyone who has seen me has seen the father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Do you not believe that I am in the father and the father is in me? The words that I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me and does his work through me. You see, Jesus is himself God. That's, that's what the Bible paints. That's his, his own testimony. Whether or not you believe that to be true is up to you, but, but that is, the, that is the, the God of the Bible. Jesus himself is God. And Jesus came to mankind to give us a very clear picture of who he is. The things he said represent God. The things he did represents God. The character that he displayed, it represents the very nature of God because Jesus is God. Now, this should give you a little bit of insight into the type of God that we're talking about here because, interesting enough, Jesus didn't come as a mighty king. He didn't come as an overbearing ruler. He came to us in the form of a fragile baby. 
And in so doing, he subjected himself to all the experiences of mankind. You see, Jesus was not only God, he was also fully human. You might not know this, but when, when Jesus put on flesh, he, he, in a sense, relinquished his power as the almighty God. It can actually, you can make a case for the fact that, that every miracle he did, every wise word he said, was actually done at the will of the Father. Not through his own power, but because he relied upon the Father's power to work through him to do these things. It's really an amazing concept when you think about it. But, but it doesn't end there. You see, Paul writes to the church in Philippi, and he says this about Jesus. He says, you must have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death. You see, it was only by relinquishing his, his power and his position that he would be fully able to feel the pain of his people. That's the truth. That's the reality. That was what was necessary for this to happen. But if you're anything like me, you, you start to ask the question, and here it is, why? Like, why would the God of this universe actually want to experience the same kind of pain that we go through? As humans. Why? The author of Hebrews gives us a little bit of insight into this. And I'm going to elaborate on that. He says, therefore, it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us. His brothers and sisters. So that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. Since he himself has gone through suffering and testing... He is able to help us when we are being tested. You might not have heard this before. Maybe this is repetition for you. But Jesus understands your pain. Because he's the only God that I know of with scars on him. The, the chances are, if you've been through it, Jesus himself has experienced something of the like. Maybe not the exact same thing that you've gone through, but he's experienced it. And all it takes is you, for you to take a look at the pages of recorded history to see this man, Jesus, who really lived and he really died and, and he said these things and he had these experiences and he went through similar things that you and I have gone through. Have you ever gone through poverty? Ever wondered where your next meal would be or where you're going to put your head at at night? Guess what? Jesus himself experienced poverty. In Luke 9, it tells us, the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Ever experienced exhaustion, just worn out from the day-to-day -day grind, the seasonal life that you're in? Jesus experienced exhaustion. In John 4, we see he says he was wearied from his journeys. He was worn out. He was tired. Ever experienced grief? Jesus experienced grief. In John 11, we see that, that Jesus weeps over his friend Lazarus, or Lazarus, who dies. Now, he knows he's going to bring him back from the dead, but he allows himself to actually experience the grief that we experience when we lose somebody that we love. Jesus experienced betrayal by his own family and by Judas Iscariot, one of his closest disciples who betrays him. Jesus experienced disappointment when, when he looks at Peter as he denies him for the third time. And he also experiences that same disappointment when his disciples, the people that he loves, and the people that he needs the most in this moment, can't even stay up with him while he's in the garden. 
He experienced temptation whenever Satan takes him out and tests him in the desert. And, and everything that goes along with that temptation. And he overcame. And he experienced suffering and abuse and false accusations and abandonment and even death. Yes, the God of life subjected himself to experience death. Because Jesus is a me too God. He's a me too God. He's a God that not only creates, but he actually chooses to relate. This is an amazing thing because he didn't, he didn't have to do it, guys. He didn't have to come to this earth. He didn't have to suffer in the way he did. He didn't have to subject himself to all the pain and the struggles that we experience as humankind. He's God. But he did so. And here's why. And this should tell you something about this God. He loves you too much to let you think that you're the only one that's going through what you're going through right now. He cares about you too much to let you go through the pains of this life alone. And so he subjected himself to those experiences. Now, I don't know why this particular movie clip comes to my mind, um, but there's a movie clip that really illustrates what I'm talking about here with this idea of a God that doesn't have to, but chooses to step into our messes. So please turn your attention to the screen, watch this, and don't judge me. Hey, Ernie. What's up? Nothing. You falling in love with the wall or something? I had an accident. You had an accident? What does that mean? You! Oh, I know. Okay. Uh, don't worry, buddy. You hang tight. I'll be right back. Hey, look, everybody. Billy peed his pants. Of course I peed my pants. Everybody my age pees their pants. It's the coolest. Really? Yes! You ain't cool unless you pee your pants. Wow. Hey, man, Ernie pees pants, too. All right. If peeing your pants is cool, consider me Miles Davis. <laughs> that might be the only redeeming clip in that entire movie, all right? But for some reason, that illustrates for me, like, this, this God who didn't have to, but chose to like, take on our own shame so that we didn't have to be alone in this. Because the, the reality is this. Sometimes we mess ourselves. Sometimes other people mess on us. But the only thing worse than being in that mess is feeling alone and ashamed in the mess with nobody to relate to us, nobody to get us, nobody to stand in front of us to help us through it. I had a... A situation here just recently, I was uh, taking my kids to school. Most of my, my stories actually start along that lines, all right? But I was taking my kids to school, and uh, we were actually on time this, this morning, and, and uh, we're, we're getting ready to drop them off, and, and uh, my, my oldest daughter, she, she gets out of the car and heads on into school, uh, but my, my son, I'm not hearing him like rustle to get out of the car, and so I'm like, hey, Clay, you got to go to school, buddy. You got to get out. Sometimes it takes them a little bit longer um, to get out of the, the car, but but he's not moving. And so like, I'm, I'm starting to get upset. You know, I'm like, son, get out of my car. You're going to be late. Go to school. Right. And uh, again, I, I still, I don't hear anything. And so I, I turn my head around and, and I look at his face and all of a sudden I see like something's wrong. Something's not right. Like 
something's going on. And so I said, hey, buddy, what, like, what's, what's going on, man? And he looks at me, and he looks down at the ground, and he says, Dad, I think I pooped my pants a little. <laughs> All right, so I've got a very fragile and very vulnerable child sitting in the back of my seat, and my next move means everything to him, right? And so I, I do exactly what every father would do. I kick him out of the car, and I... And I say, figure it out, and I point at him and laugh at him as I'm driving off, all right? No, I didn't do that. That would devastate him. I, I said, okay, buddy, let's, let's go home. So I drive him back to the house, and I, I get him cleaned up, and I change, I change him, get, get him a fresh pair of underwear. I even sit him down, and, and I kind of give him some instruction. I said, hey, buddy, uh, the next time this thing happens, you know, because uh, it, it happens, and, you know, then, like, here's how you deal with it in case I'm not here and, um, and all of that was helpful to him, but you could still see this look on his face. And, and the look on his face was one of embarrassment, of, of shame, like, how am I going to deal with this? And so I do the, the most comforting thing I possibly could. I sit down and I say, come here, buddy. And he sits on my knee. And I look at him and I said, son, do you think that you're the only one that's ever pooped their pants? And I, and I didn't let him respond because I already knew what I was going to say. I said, son... Guess what? Sometimes I poop my pants too. <laughs> now don't act like you've never done it yourself, all right? You know that you've done it. Matter of fact, one of, the, one of the wisest things that I ever heard from the elder, one of our elders that was at my previous church was this. I just carry this around with me and I'm, I'm this is a free one for you, all right? Never trust a fart. That's what he said, okay? <laughs> so freebie right there, okay? <laughs> Going back to my... Man, that's going to mess me up. All right, here we go. Going back to my son, uh, something noticeably different happened in that moment. You see, I, I had shown him love, shown him compassion. I was patient with him. I helped him help clean him up. I even gave him instruction. But none of that stuff changed how he felt. But when I shared with him that I could relate to him, something changed in his face. It went from one of, a, of embarrassment to one of laughter. Because he knew at that moment that he didn't have to be ashamed anymore because his dad had been through something similar to he. Guys, in some weird way, all right, I think this illustrates our God. Because there's comfort. There's comfort in knowing that we're not alone. And that's the power of me too. There's comfort that comes from us whenever we hear that somebody else has been through something that we are going through right now. And it lets us know that we're not alone in this darkness by ourselves. And there's courage that we gain from hearing somebody else say me too because then it allows us to say, I'm going to move out of the dark and into the light so that I can begin to heal from this situation that caused me so much pain. But there's also confidence and here's what I mean by that. When somebody else shares their crap with us, it gives us confidence to be able to go to that person, to be able to say, I don't know how to get through this. I don't know how to work this out. But because I know that you've gone through it, I feel confident that I can come talk to you about this. Hebrews 4 actually says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize or empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. So let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. 
so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. You see, God, he already knows you. He knows you inside and out, the things that you have done and the things that have been done to you, your mistakes and your misfortunes. And this is what he wants you to know about him. He says, I know the real you, and I still want all of you. And and he was willing to, to bridge heaven and earth, to come to us in flesh, to experience the things that we experience so that he can make these, this statement and for you to actually be able to take him with confidence, not some God who is distant and who doesn't understand you, but one who actually does understand you and he says that he wants you anyway because he knows you. Guys, this is the kind of God that we serve. This is the kind of God that the Bible teaches. This is the kind of church that we want to be. But in order for us to be that way, it starts with us as an individual. And I am able to say me too because God himself, my God, said me too. I actually had a, um, a high school coach pull me aside one time, a student coach in our high school ministry. And um, he said, Corey, can I share something with you? And I'm like, yeah, sure. And uh, he says, Corey, uh, you're unapproachable. And I'm like, okay. Okay, like, what do, you, what do you mean by that? You just approached me. Um, so um, he, he said, uh, he said, Corey, you, you never let your crack show. Like, you walk around here and around your youth group and around your school like you're perfect. You never, you never let your darkness show. And I know that you want to serve God and I know you want to represent him well, but unless you let your dark show, you'll never be able to help other people see the light. I thought about that for a while, and I processed through it, and the more I thought about it, I'm like, man, you, you're right. I'm, I'm so concerned with my own representation, and somehow in my mangled mind, I, I, I thought that I would somehow taint God if I let other people know the, the, the darkness that lives inside of me, the things that have been done to me, and the things that I do, and, and so I, I kind of kept people from it, because I was, I was only letting my good show, but if I want to be like my God, if I want to be like Jesus, I have to realize that it's not about me looking good. It's about God being glorious. And that comes from allowing our darkness to show. I think it's one of the reasons why the biblical characters that we see so often in Scripture, it shows their weaknesses so that God might actually be glorified and for other people to understand. And so this is not something that comes easy to me. It's not something that comes natural to me. It's something I need practice in. And so allow me to practice with you guys today. Have you ever struggled with lustful thoughts? Me too. Have you, have you ever let anger overcome you and you did something that you wish you didn't do? Me too. Have you ever let pride win the battle and you spoke something that you know you shouldn't have, you wish you could take back? Me too. Have you ever had someone dislike you for absolutely no reason? Me too. Have, have you ever had someone that you love say hurtful things to you? Me too. Have you ever battled with anxiety? Me too. Have you ever lost a child through a miscarriage? Me too. Have you ever held something in that you should have confessed? Me too. Have you ever stewed over a past mistake and just wouldn't let it go, wouldn't forgive yourself? 
Me too. Have you ever run away when you should have stepped up to the plate? Me too. Have you ever been scared to death to actually trust God in that situation? Me too. Have you ever entered the depths of depression or felt hopeless holding somebody that has? Me too. This last one, guys, is, is part of our, my family's Me Too story. Uh, many of you guys don't know this. Some of you guys do, but uh, my family has, uh, is, is battled with mental illness for quite some time. And it's one of those battles that is ongoing, and it, it doesn't let up. And it's, it's one of those things that we you know, initially try to hide because we didn't want the stigmatism that comes along with that. And we didn't want other people to think of things. And we, we didn't really feel like it was necessarily a safe place. And, and, but guys, the more and more we share our story, the more and more we let that side of us show, the more freedom not only comes to us, but the more the others like you feel that you can share your darkness and your pain with us. And if you happen to be one of those people who struggled with depression or suicidal thoughts, you don't know if you want to live the next day. Guys, don't do that on your own. Our God has died. He has revealed himself to say me too so that we can say me too so that you can say me too. Now some of you guys, uh, you've never been a part of a church where a pastor has stood up from the pulpit and shared his pain and the fact that he's not perfect with you. And I'm sorry that you've never experienced that. But welcome to Trace. Welcome to Trace. We care more about God looking glorious than about us looking good. You know, there's a, a, past, a passage in Scripture that I was reading one day, and it inspired a song. And I want to share that passage of Scripture with you. And it comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 12. It says, my grace, it's all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. And that's what I take pleasure in, my weaknesses and in the insults and in the hardships and in the persecutions and the troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I'm weak, then I am strong. So I want to I want to wrap up our conversation in together today with you all by sharing a song that I wrote several years ago. And I'm not going to sing it to you because the song's not that good and you don't want to hear me sing, okay? But I think these words will give you some insight, maybe some encouragement to be able to see a God who has said me too. That's the reason why I say it. Take a listen to these words. Lord, I am a failure. I keep on falling back into my sin. Lord, I just give in. I don't know why I should try. I can't get it right. Even though that I fight, it consumes me at night. I just can't get it right. Selfish ambition, done with mixed motives, pleasing the people more than my father. Greed, lust, and pride, I must hide the things that I do that I don't want to do. But the things I should do, I just can't get it right. I'm leaning on my strength. I've done it for so long. I can't control it. I'm just not that strong. But I still try, and that's why I can't get it right. Because I depend on my might. I fall short every time. I just can't get it right. I'm calling to you now. I am a big mess. But your strength's made perfect out of my weakness. My Adonai is glorified when I can't get it right. 
It's my Father's delight to stand by my side when I can't get it right. I'm able to say, me too, because my God said, me too. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the freedom that comes along with being able to say those two words. And I know, I know for a fact that I would not be able to utter those words, even in private, let alone from a stage, if I had not seen your glory demonstrated to us. And Lord, it is so hard for us to comprehend your grace. It's so hard for us to understand your love, but we identify with your actions. And we thank you for coming to us. We thank you for experiencing the hardships that we do so that we don't have to be alone. We don't have to be ashamed. We can bring our darkness to light and let you deal with it so that we can heal. And in the process of us healing, allowing our our vulnerability to actually help others heal as well. And not just in this life, but Father, that that healing would bring light to your son and it would draw people to you because Jesus came to bring us near to you. We thank you, Father. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.